15 seconds. 16 seconds. So, um, all right. I want to talk to everyone really quick. I can't really hear myself at all. Do I sound all right? You sound great. Uh, about two things that I think people should go and check out. Three things, but I'll let you just insert the ad from last week. Um, one, our buddy Brian Kissinger has a book uh, called Best Dad Ever. Um, and it's all about how, what his kids taught him about uh God the Father, and he, and he also decided to do an audio book, but he did it in podcast form. So it is available on uh, all podcast forms, Best Dad Ever, how, how, uh, how My Children Taught Me About God the Father from our friend Brian Kissinger. It's really, really good. So I would recommend, especially if you are a young adult, I think uh, this is a book, especially if you're kind of in that stage between post-college and wanting and uh, you know you want to get unmarried, but you aren't married quite quite yet or even if you are married i think it is worth uh taking a um uh, taking a gander at so uh again uh that is best dad ever from our friend brian kissinger it is a podcast and um as an audiobook and then in podcast form and then it's also an ebook as well and it's all free that's awesome yeah, it's really good, man. I uh, haven't listened to the whole thing, but I listened to the parts that he wanted me to, and I'm, I'm I am going to. I think it's probably about like fifteen chapters or so, and each chapter is about like fifteen to twenty minutes in podcast form. It's really good. I, I um, really enjoyed chapter thirteen, uh, especially just because I knew Brian during the you know the period of time of his life that uh, he was talking. Actually, I mean, pretty much all. I mean, I've known Brian for all the times that he is has been talking about but there are different parts of it where uh i was more where i mean where i was directly involved in in a, you know a couple of things that he was i'm talking about or just you know i was around and a part of his life while i was going on so so like the conception of brian's kids <laughs> i was there for it hiding in the background <laughs> i was like good job brian um what also uh <laughs> oh boy uh Good friend of the show, Kevin uh, Kevin Hyder has a new album out called Ohio, and I love this because uh, it's a Springsteen tribute album done in the style of Springsteen's album Nebraska, which is just really stripped down. It's just him and his guitar, and a uh, on the Springsteen album. It's actually my favorite Springsteen album. Nebraska, and it's uh, it's about ten of it's ten of of Springsteen songs done in that style. Kevin r- recorded it in his uh, in his parents' bedroom, sorry, in his childhood bedroom, because um, the whole th- the whole uh, aura around Nebraska was recorded, I think, in eighty. It's it's just very stripped down Springsteen, just like his guitar and and a and a harmonica and it's a fantastic album and i really like what kevin has done here it's really really good i'll put the link in to the show notes it's uh, called ohio it's it's you can buy it on on itunes uh or through kevin's website it's up on youtube it's, uh, it's up on, on the youtube it's up on spotify all the music stuff it is very very i've been really excited about this in fact i was go- i was gonna try to go to his house last week and drink whiskey and listen to it but we were both super tired, and we were glad that the other one was tired, so we didn't have to do it. But, uh, <laughs> now, would it have been better if it was done in his parents' bedroom? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, yes, ab- like absolutely. It's like this is like I think you should. Um, I think you should check. I, I don't know if you really um like this like this style of music, but it's very Americana ish or something very just like. Um, there's something very Catholic about it that I really, I just, I love the Springsteen album that it's uh, based off of. I love the songs that he chose, and I and I think um, Kevin's a phenomenal artist, so it's very good. Cool, man. That's awesome. If you're excited about my life, I am covered in putrid sweat because what did I do? What was that strenuous activity I do in the evenings? Oh, yes, I gave a talk, <laughs> and my whole body is covered in sweat. Because I'm exuberant. And I gave a talk. uh, We're doing this modified version of marriage prep, basically, to get all these convalidation people through and ready to rock and or roll. And today was, the first half was marriage and family in God's plan. And the second half was the theology of the conjugal life or conjugal faithfulness. So I talked about sex, baby. I talked about you and me. I talked about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Hey, can we talk about sex? Well, literally, when I introduced that part, I sang Salt and Peppers. Let's talk about sex. There you go. Um, insert commercial break here. <laughs> you ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good. Like, like really, really good. That's why Catholic Social Media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. Catholic Social Media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. All right, everyone. We got some questions from our good friends over at patreon.com. And I'm going to be real honest, guys. If you go to patreon.com slash CF right now, again, that is patreon.com slash CF, you will see that we have redone, well, everything on there. We've, we've changed up our all of like like benefits of it and we've even have a few cool um things of like this is what we're gonna do if we get to, if we um get this high uh do you want to um, talk about that go about about that gormley i would love to so as you know luke and i are very busy and sometimes lazy <laughs> hence why we hired grace yeah so grace is gonna help out for a few hours a week a month ish and we're gonna just take it as it goes and she's going to help us be not so lazy. That's right. She's going to mail out our rewards for us. 
<laughs> that's, that's all I a got, weird way to take it. Okay, so um, what? So, but here's the thing that I that I uh, really do I want to talk about. So, like, I think you guys will really enjoy the uh, like whole like rewards part because what we're going to do is we're going to uh, change it to it's more it's going to be less about content and it's going to actually be like more about building up a relationship with us. Um, do you want me to share on what they are? Or we can just. Kind I would of say, love for you to. All right. So the uh, uh, the two dollars is eh. That's our eh on the level. It's you want to give that if you don't want us to stop or anything. Five. So we then then we then have our uh, five dollar one, which is called at least catching foxes shows up most of the time. You want to give to the, you want to give at like this level if you're uh, happy that we exist and it's important to you that that like really um, you want us and others to, to know that we that we do exist for the most part and you will get a you'll you'll actually have a you'll um have a sticker sent to you from Grace. Uh, then you have the, then you have the ten dollar one, which is called "I Need Well Intended Yet Occasional Extra Content." <laughs> so at that you'll get all like previous stuff plus anything extra uh quite often there's probably about 20 minutes to a half hour from like each uh each like episode that really does it that doesn't only make it if it's even remotely interesting gomer will put it up there you've you've been doing this thing that actually i think is great where you're putting up episodes early without any ads or perhaps they're not quite as edited but it's at least just like hey here it is in kind of like a raw format. And it's occasional- 100%. So what I did was I edited the previous episode, bounced it, so it had chapters and the ad and all that stuff. And then I deleted the ad, collapsed the audio, so I, didn't have, I couldn't go through and redo the chapters. And I just bounced that as an MP3 and immediately uploaded that, whereas the other one was slated for Friday morning. There you go. Um, so you, you, again, you you will have that, and also the um, occasional ones where we just go batshit crazy for a bit, and it's just when it gets really dumb or kind of embarrassing, but not embarrassing for our uh, for our Patreon friends. Plus, we'll the occasional uh, B side episode. We're not able to do as much of those, but I do have one that I did with and with an executive coach. And I think if you're a person who ever is like at work, especially in like youth ministry or a job in the church where you don't have a lot of direction from your boss, you don't really even, even know like what your work is or how to really um, communicate with others because the church is very bad at developing her employees. This is an episode you really have to listen to. That's going to be up for everyone to hear uh, this upcoming like Saturday. And then we're going to take questions from from like uh from uh from that episode and we'll actually have like a follow-up one that'll be for our uh ten dollars and up friends so that comes out on our patreon page this saturday um twenty dollars if you decide to give us twenty dollars a month this is i need catching foxes to call me once a year so you're gonna have all the all of the previous like rewards uh, plus, you're gonna uh, have a thank you call from either uh, me, probably probably me, or the Gormley uh, once a year. Uh, also, you'll have like first dibs on any on any of the merchandise that we do. We're not quite sure how we're gonna do it yet, but we actually are currently getting that up and running. We've been talking with a designer uh, who's got some pretty cool ideas. So I'm very pumped about that. 
Then you have then you have the thirty dollar one called "I Want Catching Foxes to Feel Guilty for How Much I Love Them." <laughs> Is that if you give at the thirty dollars a month, uh, you'll have like all like, previous all of all of like, the previous stuff plus any, and you actually do a pretty good job of this. Uh, Gomer will like upload ebooks. PDFs, other things that he's currently I'm working on for his job, or like you know, like other things like that, and he will put those for 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 they only exist on the Patreon page, and that is at the thirty dollars and up, which which again we're we're calling I want I'm catching foxes to feel I'm guilty for how much I love them. Then you have the fifty dollar one. We do have a couple of people who, for some reason, because they're awesome, decide to give us like 50 bucks a month. That's called you're either Luke's mom's, Gomer's dad, or someone who wants us to support what they are doing. Uh, <laughs> you'll get all the previous rewards. To, oh, I, I'm sorry. And if you are at the $30 one called I Want Catching Foxes to Feel I'm Guilty for How Much I Love Them, if you decide to, if you decide to, if you decide to go like $30 a month, you'll be able to like have a Skype chat. With us once per year. Uh, then we have the fifty dollars one, which is called "You're either Luke's mom, Gomer's dad, or someone who wants us to to support what they are uh, doing." All of the previous stuff, two Skype chats a year. You're able to create a topic for at least one episode per year, and you'll get to see us at Christmas, family only. If that's the year we spend we we spend the holiday with that side of the family. Also, we'll come on whatever on podcasts like or like YouTube show you're doing. So then we have the hundred dollars a um, a month where you get everything, and you also get a your choice of a picture of the two of us for your bedroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's absolutely true. So hey, real quick, we'll you what's the name picture. of that category? I have a picture of you both in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> So at the five hundred dollar um, called uh, "I Love You More Than Matt Frad," that is the five hundred dollar level. I I love you more than Matt Frad. All all of the previous like rewards. If uh, we are if we are in your area, we'll we'll go and um, have lunch with you. Uh, and after like one whole year at that, we will actually like come out to where you are and we'll like hang out for a bit, have lunch, play like a board game, you know. Oh, whatever. So here you go. Here's the big one. Are you ready? Good Lord. The $5,000 level. <laughs> <laughs> so this is called the uh, Catching Foxes live show wherever you want it. All previous rewards. <laughs> your living room, your your church, your... You're like mother-in-law's dining room table when she's when she's not ex when she's not expecting it, whatever, wherever we will do it. You only have to do this once, uh, but we will f- we will like fly out to you and do and do a live show. Uh, we are we really aren't kidding. Uh, you basically own us at this point, and we're totally okay with that. That is awesome. So, yeah. $2, um, $5, $10, $20, $30, $50, $100, $500, $5,000. That seems reasonable. And then, yeah, right? <laughs> I, I think that my favorite one is called the uh, the $500 one, the I love you more than Matt Frad. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then here's the cool part, guys. Um, so, what we did before and, and why we're kind of like spending all this time 
talking about this is Matt Fred told us to like um, watch out for this, but we overpromised. And we were trying to talk about like how can we because we really like the community that we kind of have there. How can we really build that up without having to spend all this time creating more content? And what like we saw was we think it would be better if we were to like build these relationships based upon your involvement oh, with us. We want to build up a relationship oh, with you as opposed to trying to create more content. How, however, we have come up with a, a couple of like numbers here of uh, when we will start to create more content. Are, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. So if we get to 500 supporters, which we are currently more than halfway to, if 500 of you go and support us on Patreon, we will um, like have like video. It'll be done in the style of the uh, Taylor Marshall show or like other podcasts like that, uh, Joe Rogan, where we will just have a video where we like uh, record us doing the podcast. And then we'll have a person edit it, put up uh, stuff up on to like YouTube and uh, be able to like kind of put like a catching foxes stuff on it at the beginning and the end, so it, so it looks good. But we already we already have some stuff for that where um we could do it. This will help us pay for the internet and pay for the staff to really just you know because um, it isn't a ton of editing, but it is editing that we just don't have don't have the time for. So, so if we get to, if we get to the five hundred ones, that will become a thing. If we get to a thousand people, and we aren't, I'm kidding about this. Uh, we'll start doing at least one on B side a month, if not more. So if we have a thousand people who support us, you'll have uh, and like. Uh, do you want to explain to the kids what what the B sides are? B sides. So the idea of catching foxes is the collision of faith and culture. B sides are those kind of topics where it's really just either faith or culture, where we go to we get to interview people. Typically, so far, it's been more or less me and Luke alone interviewing people that we find interesting, that we think you'll find interesting if you like Team Luke or Team Gomer. And so I, um, Luke's interviewed like uh, a former Major League Soccer player. Which and is a really great interview. Yeah, like, and he's a, uh, he, really he was awesome. I interview um, – who did I interview? I had an interview. You did a thing with um, – what's his name? Uh, I can see his face. Oh, crap. I'm a terrible friend. Uh, Angry Catholic. Um, oh, yeah. Joey. Oh, that Joey. sucked. We interviewed and... I know. I was real, And that's a... That's we, I interviewed I him for really an hour important. and there was just a glitch in the matrix. And I was like, huh, this thing is... Stop, must have stopped recording. So I hit record again. And then we closed out the last 10 minutes and that's all that got posted. We, we interviewed a couple. We have a handful of B-sides um, that are up there. And they're cool. They're fun. Um, they're fun. Yeah. And that gives us the opportunity to do more of those type of things. So, so to be able to find, like Luke said, this um, – what did you say he was a, a what coach, a career coach? Or oh, what? Uh, so I speak with I, – I love how she says her uh, um, her first name, Carla. Um, Carla uh, Molina, she's going to be horrified that I said it like, like that. But she is a great executive coach who was over – at P and uh, uh, P and G here here in Cincinnati, and uh, she um, she's done some pretty a- amazing stuff, and she has worked with some very high powerful people, and she's a phenomenal 
executive coach and we have a whole chat about just like how to do work how do you communicate expectations how do you how do you like set your like priorities um different things that we know um aren't just things that you just know it's something you kind of have to be taught and quite often in the in the church we aren't taught those things and so we aren't as we aren't as um effective as we could be and we have a really good chat about like just how to be better that's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah, that. no, it's, yeah, no, I'm I'm really I'm pumped about that. And 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 then that'll be um up for free on Saturday. And then we then we will uh take everyone's questions from that and we'll do and we'll do another one which will be for our uh t- uh 10 dollars and up. So, and then uh if so that's if we get up to um 1000 people. If we get to 2000 people uh we we will uh produce like we'll like start doing more stuff you know we might go to like two like you know uh two episodes a week or so like something where you know we we will then have the time to be able to like do more and here is a big one and we are not uh, kidding about this um if we get to 2500 if we have 2500 people back us up on this um this will be our job like this is it. So we will take the podcast full time if we have twenty five people support us uh, per month on on twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Why? What do you think I said? You said twenty five. No, I said t- t- I said twenty five hundred. I know, but then right at the end you said twenty five. If we have twenty five people, I'm pretty sure I said twenty five hundred. No, it's fine. roll the tape. <laughs> we will take the podcast full time if we have twenty five people support us. We have 25 people support us. 25, 25, 25. Uh, yeah, so that's um, – which is kind of a big deal, I think. Like we've done the math. We have talked about it. I presume we've talked with our wives about it. <laughs> uh, <yep. laughs> you were such a piece of shit. <laughs> hey, Shannon, real quick. I quit my job today. <laughs> Why did you quit your job? We got 25 listeners. <laughs> I, I'm confused. <laughs> so if we have 2,500 people support us on our on the Patreon page, we have, you know. Oh, I'll quit my them. job at 2,000. Easy. Are you kidding me? Right now we have almost, we have like, what, 200, almost 300 supporters? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Which is so but, awesome that we have I, that many supporters. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's just like we've done the math, and I think, I really think we should just keep it at 2,500. Yeah. That's. Um, my job tomorrow. I mean, if if we get close to that, I mean, if we get over two thousand, let's start. Th- okay, just want to say like two thousand. No, 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 twenty five hundred is fine. But my question to you is, Luke. Okay, you ready for this? Prepare your heart. Yeah. What does full time catching foxes look like, other than me and my underwear all the time? Um, I think it definitely probably means at least three, if not more, podcast a week or so, uh, or at least two, at least two a week. Do do we even have content for that? <laughs> no, I well, I, <laughs> you are the shittiest salesman ever. <laughs> no, I can delete all this. I thought we were warming up. <laughs> you are truly the shittiest. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't know why I'm being so hard on you today. Yeah, I deserve it. No, um, no. I think. I mean, I think if we, if yes, absolutely. If we if because if we didn't have a job, if we, if we didn't have a job, if we didn't have real jobs and we we're doing this. The idea is we can then research and take more time because, like, I think if you really um, look at it, like a lot of our past episodes, the stuff that we find interesting are things that like 
we have read about, we heard on other podcasts and stuff. And as we just got on busier and st- we, we have less time to, to listen to more. So we, we'd be able to like, that'd be our jobs. We'd be spending, you know, we could take eight hours and just read stuff and listen to stuff and find things that, that we think are interesting and then be able to start to talk about them. At, like, I'm, you know, in our own, I'm catching Fox's way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I'm thinking about what and, you're putting down. And then, um, I think we could then start, you know, actually publishing stuff. We could then, I think we could do more like catechetical like videos, different things like just I mean, tons of different. I would, I would, I'm like, I would just see us do more catching foxes content um, that we could really devote the time to. So that would be either um, small, like small group videos. Um, I don't know. You know, like you could have time to like write more of your like small books kind of stuff that you like to do, and we could be able to up put that out there. Um, different things like that. Like you know, we could probably do live shows um, or do a little bit more um, creative. I, I really like the idea of doing a YouTube show. I, I love doing the Matt Frat show, and I think um, I think it'd be very cool for us to be able to talk in person. Get it on camera. Maybe get like a, a one or two of our friends and you know, in, like involved here and there. So, uh, and if we have twenty five hundred, again, that's twenty five hundred supporters per month. Which I actually, I mean, to be honest, guys, I think it's pretty doable given what our what our downloads are. Uh, I don't think it's I, I, I don't think it's a preposterous idea. Um, like that's like we could do this. I think, but I think that's what it would take for us to be able to realistically you know say hey okay we have the income now to be able to um, make this our jobs and our wives won't lose their mind Mm. and our wives won't lose their mind that's a priority yeah because i mean and like and you guys might go like well that's very high like why is that so high because that would be health insurance for like us and our families that would you know that would um have to um, like we would, I, the idea is that like, how can we have um, Gomer possibly travel, uh, travel less so he can spend more time at home and then devote, uh, time to doing stuff for like, I'm um, catching foxes and we can kind of build, I'm um, catching foxes into this, like into, um, a bigger brand. Always. I mean, we'll always have the podcast. It'll just be able to become a, a bigger thing. And I think this is what it would take in order to make that happen. It's awesome. I'm excited, bro. So yeah, so that's over on the Patreon page, and you know, and like we'll, you know, um, we're not like saying like you know. So if we get to this by like two years uh, from now, if we you know hit the 2500, like we'll do it. Like, like it's not like we're trying to push this right now. We're just saying like when we get to this point, like this is what we need to do in order to make that reality. So yeah, yep. All right. Uh, with that, let's take some questions from Patreon. How does our, that sound? Yes. So we have – we reached out to our Patreon listeners, and we invited them, supporters, and we invited them to give us questions. This is the classic 10-minute topics, or when it's averaged at the end, maybe it'll equal 10 minutes per topic. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I ask the – can I um, ask the first one? Yeah. All right. Uh, this is the most important one, I think. I wanted to make sure that, that we get to this. Uh, this comes from John D. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, John D. John D., who doesn't have a tribal tattoo and did not go to high school in um, Jersey, ask, uh, 
why didn't Gomer contribute to us buying beer for fifteen twenty three? <laughs> Again, John D's question is why didn't Gomer contribute to us buying beer for fifteen twenty three? I clearly for those of you that don't know, let me just explain beer. really quick. Fifteen twenty three was the number of our project house out at Franciscan, and John D, whoever that that may be. Ask why didn't Gomer contribute to us uh, buying beer for fifteen twenty three? No, you did not. <laughs> I have purchased plenty of beer. John D and I bought by far bought the most beer. Yeah, well, when you bought it, far I didn't need to contribute because it was already there. <laughs> you hardly ever. I forgot about this until John asked that. He sent me Lies. a text going, "Check your Patreon." Like, like he asked me <laughs> if I got his question. I was like, I was like, um, no, I haven't. And I like, and I pulled up the app. I was taking my dog out, and I, and I looked at it, and my face just lit up like a Christmas tree and a boy by the tree who was so excited because I forgot about that fact. Lies. <laughs> False news. <laughs> Fake news. Whatever. False. <laughs> Fake news. So Gomer says he bought beer. I'm here to tell you guys. No, he didn't. <laughs> then uh, how comes my conscience is so clean? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a great question? That is awesome. I it's got more mad that John is the John is uh, John is the funniest guy out out of all of us. Okay, uh, here is a serious one. I forget. I actually cut off the name, so I, I apologize for that. Uh, what do you think of Exodus ninety after being off it for a, a number of months? Have there been any lasting effects? What do you think of Exodus 90 after being off of it for a number of, of months? Have there been any lasting effects? Uh, number one, I love Exodus 90. I look forward to doing it again. Uh, and the group of guys continued doing the next thing, which is like you go through Genesis and you're going through. I don't know what they're going through now. But um, – they have been meeting, but my wife works out in the morning right at that time, and she took off from working out on Mondays so that I could have my men's group, um, but now she's back on. I love Exodus 90. I occasionally still take the cold showers. I do mostly the fasts still. Um, the prayer stuff, I i mean, I do my own version of it. Like, I read the Gospels every day. Um so I'm not just reading Exodus or whatever. Uh, I spend a huge amount of time thinking about, or not thinking about anymore, but it's like one of those things, like when you give up food for a while, it changes your relationship with food. When you give up the internet for a while, it changes your relationship with the internet. When I started doing those things all at the same time, it created a lot of extra time. And I have not gone back to those habits as aggressively like youtube i was watching a ton of youtube videos i haven't really done it um netflix i like have to force myself to watch tv i'm like i literally have nothing else to do and i'm not tired and i've already done everything i need to do and it's 10 o'clock at night i'll watch a comedy special on netflix and i'll watch it for like 15 minutes and be like i i just i just don't i don't take the same mindless not mindless I don't default to those things anymore like I did. And so I, I – and the men that were on Exodus 90, I love those guys. And I just got a text message tonight that we're trying to rearrange schedules so I can keep meeting with them. So, yeah, all in. Love it. 
Yeah, I am. Um, I think that you just kind of being from the outside in, and I mean to be blunt, I've been one who's been a little bit like um, hesitant about the whole Exodus ninety thing. Um, you have a like I have noticed after that there's this healthy detachment that you have that I think is really good about things that you know kind of don't matter. Well, like uh, I haven't even looked at face like neutral. I, yeah, I go to Facebook like maybe once a week now, and uh, it's a problem when people for business opportunities try to reach me there. But um, yeah, it's weird. It, it really is like it just kind of changed your my prioritizing with certain things. And or it brings my attention to things that I didn't have an attention to. Like there was a period where I was just snacking. And Exodus ninety, you're not allowed to snack. And it's like not allowed to snack. That's the weirdest thing. I don't snack. Oh my gosh, yes I do. <laughs> you know. And then so it just kind of hits you with things like that. So, um, like today, today is Wednesday. I fasted for twenty four hours today. So I went from dinner to dinner, and it was funny because it got really difficult around noon. And then it just kind of went away as I drank more water and just moved around. And it was funny because that's what you got to do on Nexus 90. So thank you. I'm glad you noticed that. That makes me happy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud of you, boo. Oh, I'm proud of you, too, for making fun of it in the beginning. Does Brian Jones, does, uh, he, does uh, no. he affirm you like that? <laughs> so I this is really so. funny. This is really funny. So I, told, I sent Brian Jones the episode of The Joker review where i reference him because he took me and then i called him my work wife and then uh that whore (laughs) no he totally is and he (laughs) sat down yesterday in my office and we were chit-chatting and uh and he said uh, well i am your work wife so uh you know and so we started laughing and i said wouldn't that be funny if father tom comes in because father tom like occasionally listens my pastor occasionally listens to the show and every so often he'll just say a phrase from the show and I'll not understand the reference. Cause it was like last week's episode. And then I'll be like from the podcast and I'll be like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. And I said to Brian, how funny would it be if he called me or if he called you my work wife or me, your work wife. And he was like, I was like, I think that's the one thing he probably wouldn't do. No, sure enough. First thing today, he sits out of my office and goes, so uh, I spoke with your work wife a few minutes ago and uh, <laughs> I lost I it. It was time. so funny. So far. Uh, nice. Uh, here's a really good question I actually did. Oh, I want to tackle. What ad- this is from Caroline. What advice would you give to a person who's getting their uh, their graduate degree in theology and is starting to um, wonder if they've made the wrong choice? She's asking for a friend. Well, I mean, it depends on how far along is she. Is she three credit hours? Does she have to do a whole bunch of prereqs? I caught up to my wife because she had to do a bunch of philosophy undergrad prereqs, and I was philosophy theology undergrad, so I didn't have to do this because I already had those. So if, you, if you're like 30 credit hours away from graduation, rethinking is fine. Ditching it is fine. You'll have those credit hours, and maybe it'll apply to some future degree. But uh, here's the deal. Don't get degrees in subjects you're not passionate about, especially not advanced degrees. Or don't get those degrees if the cost is going to outweigh any benefit you're going to receive monetarily. Even if you're not passionate about it, but it's part of your career. Like, I don't want to get a graduate degree in theology right now, but if I finish it, they're going to give me a bonus of 3000 a year. But it costs you 50000 then don't do that. Like, don't, yeah. If you're not passionate about grad degree or monetarily it's not going to help you, then don't do it. 
Yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting. I think a couple of years ago, I would have given um, different advice, but I think, I mean, grad grad degrees are still absolutely a, um, a worthwhile. Um, it's a really good thing to have. But as employment has now, you know, bounced back incredibly, um, you know, people are still underemployed, which is a whole other dis, which is a whole other dis discussion but we're not at the point i mean there was a period of time where post uh, post 2008 you it was required to have a master's to teach history at a high school and a phd was preferred like i saw that all the time and that's not really that's not um, a thing anymore and so i i don't think having a grad degree real and and this is i don't mean this in like a i don't mean this in a blanket statement kind of way but i think especially with like um within the church i, I go back and forth about because i don't know if you if it really um, if it will make you as competitive as it once did but i do think there's the thing to be said about uh, i knew if i was going to stay i'm working for the church jim beckman told me it'd be good to have like a it'd be good to ha- yeah. ha- have my master's in theology if i was going to be doing this stuff yeah no and i think I, I mean i'm right there with you and i'm someone who has a graduate degree in theology after working for three and a half years in youth ministry, I didn't need it for youth ministry, but I'm a nerd. I desperately wanted the degree. I had most of the credit hours done. I just had to be on campus. I couldn't do it distance learning. I wasn't doing it. And so me and my wife quit her or fiance, quit our jobs, moved to campus, finished it there, and then got married and moved to a different job. But the I regret nothing of my graduate degree, but I also didn't have any student loan debt from grad school coming out, or if I did, it was minimal. I paid most of it in cash as I went along. So I don't, especially if you're working for the church and you're not going to see a massive bump yeah, in income, think, guys, it's, it's not, not yeah. worth it. It's, it's not, not worth it. it. When you do the cash flow um, math, it's just kind of like, uh, I would it, recommend you watch Goodwill Hunting for the amazing bar scene line where Matthew Damon says, like he asks this guy who thinks he's better than Matthew Damon some, you know, crazy obscure question about like the economy of pre-revolutionary war Virginia, mm-hmm. and he like slam. He's like, no, 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 you're going to start off by saying blah 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 blah. But that's only because you're a second year or first semester sophomore. By the time you get your, your junior year, you're going to talk about blah 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 because you're going to take Johnson as a professor. Blah blah. And he does all this stuff, and he goes, and the real thing is, you're going to be pissed off at me. Because you spent $100,000 acquiring this education that could have been gotten for you with uh, a library card and a dollar twenty-five in late fees. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is in 50 years, you're going to start doing some thinking on your own. And you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> and there is a point... Where a lot of education, educational advantages like actual practical ed- can be got by having great conversations with people you respect who are knowledgeable and by doing a ton, a ton of reading and research. I, I do think there is a thing to be said about because I was um, I almost did an online MBA like gosh, probably almost 10 years ago now. I was debating doing that, and just because I was like, I don't know what to do, you know. And I was like, and I and I kind of knew the education track that I wanted to go yeah. on in terms of like yeah. working at a school, and it, and there there are now hybrid degrees in terms of like education, MBAs, MBAs with um a nonprofit management. But at the time, if you wanted to really like I'm a run 
um, do the business part of a school, the only education option you had at the graduate level was an MBA. And I was talking with I was talking with I was talking with Uncle Wade about this, and he said that's a bunch of bullshit. Like you know, like he's this big executive, scary, and incredibly smart guy, and he's like, you get an MBA because of the network. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you learn good stuff, but, like, you want to go because you want to build up your network with these people who are doing really smart and, like, all, and, like awesome yeah. stuff. And yeah. you want to be a, you know, be a part of that. And I was like, that's, that's a really good point. It's like, don't, you know, so, but I do think, now, of course, I mean, I think he puts value on things that you do learn there. But he's like, that's a huge part of this is that. And I think within the church, that is a thing, but it's a thing that you can kind of get through other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, so like I had actually, um, you know, like like earlier on in the podcast, I was actually, I was like actually recommended for a job by like a really good buddy of ours who I, I just just I'm, I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a pretty big dude in the in the Catholic world here, and he's like, hey, Luke, I think you'd be good at this job. I'm just gonna I'm gonna like put in your name for you if, if you're okay with those. I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and like that's just because. Of just doing being active like on the show and different things, I'm like that. So it's it's actually really easy within the church to network. Like go to the conferences, even the ones that are dumb. Um, there's a everyone that's oh, there yeah. is awesome and loves what they're doing. And if you like, I, I I honestly think if I wanted to get a job back in ministry, I could I could do it very I, I would I could do it very easily. Which sounds, and I don't mean this in terms of my like ego, but I know people across the country that trust the work that I do and that like that I know I would hope they think that I've done a good job and that would, you know, like could help me get those doors open. That's because we had uh, on the late night chats out in um, DC at like, you know, like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's the next question? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, I like Kathy's. We can do, we can do the uh, deeply faithful route. I miss Kathy's. Uh, Kathy. Hecker. What are, Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Kathy Hecker asks, who are some of the lesser known saints who have worked in your life? Um, I don't know if he's, if like, he's like a lesser known saint, but I'd say Saint, um, Saint John Vianney has been pretty big for me. Did I get his name right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I read a book of his homilies that were, uh, especially in my early to mid twenties was pretty powerful. Yeah, that book is that book is epic. That book is epic. <laughs> yeah, that's some really like. I still go back to like some like some of that. Oh yeah, even now it's good stuff. Oh yeah. Um, How about you? Hmm. Okay. Well, see, the hard thing is lesser known because I don't think people might have. I don't. I don't know if they have huge devotions, but they might know them. Saint Elizabeth, right? The cousin of Mary. Um, we were almost going to name Cecilia Elizabeth out of honor to her because. I prayed a lot to her when my wife uh, struggled in her labor with Kateri, and we thought we might lose her. So that was huge, and to the point where I thought we were going to name her Elizabeth or Elizabeth Ann. And uh, my wife, when we got the ultrasound and found out it was a girl, she said, they said, do you have a name picked out? And she goes, yeah, Cecilia. And we literally had no, never once talked about the name Cecilia. Hmm. <laughs> she had just gave it to her. Um, but that was that was really important for me. Um, Saint Tarsicius was a easy hipster. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, like I, I knew him. I venerated him before he was famous. Um, I venerated him before he was canonized. 
Saint Tarsicius was a like a 13, 14 year old who was an altar server ish of the time, and he carried the Blessed Sacrament from Mass to prisoners in Roman prisons and was murdered with the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and I almost took his name for my confirmation name, and then my brother made fun of me, being like, "Do you think the bishop's going to be like Tarsicius?" And I was like, "All right, I'll change it to Christopher." So there's that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You you come up with something. I'll I'll think of. I'm sure there's some obscure saint that I'm not thinking about. I don't about. really have, like, I mean. Fair enough. I can edit all this out. Don't worry. Um, let me think. Like, I mean, St. Jude, but he's pretty well known. He's been my go-to guy for a lot of things. Patriot saint of hopeless causes. <laughs> it's called your 20s, everyone. I him a lot. <laughs> I think he's one I prayed to for, a, like, about, like, the next step in my career when I was completely lost. And the next, the very next day after I was done, I was asked to apply for a job at the Archdiocese. Oh, that's awesome. And you are a hopeless yeah. guy, so that makes sense. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, I always used to um, lose stuff as a kid. So, I mean, so I, I mean, he's not a, a lesser known saint, but like, I love St. Anthony. Uh, I can't, gosh, I'm trying to think. So um, me and Aaron kind of have a, uh, not a joke per se, but I like St. Isidule, St. I always pronounce the first name wrong. St. Isidule. Isidore. Farmer. Isidore? Is yeah. that I thought th- I thought there was an L in there somewhere. It said is Isildur. 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 Saint Isildur <laughs> of the farmer. I always liked his name and like and the more I found out about him, the more I, I liked I thought that was cool. Um so we we we, we pray to him. Um Saint Moses the Black, because that's a badass Saint name. Saint Moses the Black, yeah. Um I think who else? Gosh, there's some early church fathers as I've been going through the office of readings. Um, Brad Bradley Barnes, we had on the show uh, about a year and a half ago or so. No, actually, probably only about a year or so. Uh, he's a big fan of St. Alfonso something, something. St. Alfonso's uh, Liguori? That might be him, yeah. And, I mean, he's <laughs> – uh, yeah, I don't – okay, I'm sorry. Not all of us spend our time just like, you know – He's like a patron Scott of, Hahn. of moral theologians. Yeah, okay. Not He's all of us spend our times in moral theology classes. Easy, Gormley. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. Oh, that guy is the lesser known. Yes, uh, he yeah. is to most normal people. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> it's pronounced Alphonsus. <laughs> um, I, uh, the stuff that Barnes has told me about him, I really, really like. Nice. Uh I'm trying to think if there's any, like, servant of gods or anything like that that are kind of cool. Um, there's a saint out in Detroit that was pretty sweet who was just canonized that my buddy, Father Steve Blackston, told me about a while ago. Um, I don't remember who that was, but. Yeah, no. Yeah. I only like the big name saints. <laughs> <laughs> I only have a devotion to those with, you know, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. St. Francis of Assisi. If you don't have a religious order named after you, then I don't care. Goodbye. All right. Uh, here's one from Kevin Hyder that I, that, uh, I really like. Um, what is um, something you know? This is such a Kevin, such a Kevin question. What's um, something that, that um, like you know you um, need to do? You, th- you think about it often. But you just I'll never do it. Uh, go to the doctor about my left knee and why it doesn't work anymore. Uh, for mine, it is have my wisdom teeth pulled out. 
<laughs> I got to get those things removed, man. Why? Uh, Is it causing the pain? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has for like 10 years. Uh, I got to get, I mean, not all the time, but uh, it does happen. So, got to get them. Or I just haven't done them yet. So, that's a really good question. That is a good question because it just reveals to you, like, your insecurities in so many ways. Like, mm-hmm. mine is my, one day I woke up, I started doing a ton of exercising, and I was feeling good about it. And one of the things I was doing every day was, like, stretching and squats. Like, my lower body is just shit. So, I was doing a lot of that stuff. And I had this routine of, like, push-ups, sit-ups, and squats that I was doing every morning. And one day I woke up. And squats don't really put a lot of... I wasn't doing weight, right? I was just doing a lot of reps. And it doesn't put a lot of... I mean, like, you're flexing your knee, but you're not using... I'm not putting weight on it. And I woke up one day, and it just had this slight, like, tinge of pain. And then if I ever put weight on it in a certain way, like like doing a side lunge, it, it'll buckle and I'll fall down. Like, it'll... It, oh, and it'll boy. Stabbing pain. To the point where I thought I had cancer. And so I started looking online... And people are like, I, I remember I was 36 years old when I, my knees started killing me. And I was like, oh, thank God. Well, that serves as a doctor's visit. <laughs> I'm a broken man. I'm a broken man. <laughs> uh, no, you should definitely go and get that checked out. Like, that's, that, that's the thing, too. Like, your teeth, like, oh, 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 with me, I have Tristan kind of always had, like, just, like, my teeth have been fine. So I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then when I was told I had to get them taken out, I was like, man, I mean, I can wait, right? It's kind of expensive. And, um, but it's definitely a thing that like down the, like you don't want like, it's a thing that you can kind of ignore for a bit, but then down the road will really screw you up. So, yeah. Um, you guys had a great episode on cat on Catholic social teaching. So I have no idea what he's about to ask here. Um, this is from Eric. Some political um, voices are talking about a universal basic income. Would this provide a gap between the market value of labor versus the need to address basic human need for workers? I also think it would have a good effect on getting on the workers more mobile and not attached to their jobs if they knew they had a monthly income. Does a UBI fit into almost the social teachings of the church? Holy crap. See, that's why I want to go full time so we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. I think that's a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think we the, the appeal of universal base, basic income, I think, is in large part due to income insecurity when it comes to catastrophe, medical bills, all that stuff, more than anything else. The number one reason why Americans, by a massive margin, the number one reason why Americans file for bankruptcy is because of medical bills that they can't afford to pay. And you combine that with inheriting student loan debt, which I think most young people are starting to realize that student loan debt is a bad thing. And so they're trying different things. But if you have student loan debt and then you have massive medical injuries, the idea of a universal basic income, we will guarantee you $30,000 a year no matter what. Um, I think that's very appealing. I think in America, though, I, I do think it'll, I mean, it will stifle people joining the economy. It will also help people transition out of bad jobs. It will. But is that worth paying $30,000? Do you only pay $30,000 to people who need it? Do the rich get it? When do you well, cut that off? Here's the thing. I think that's a re- from everything I have um, read. Because I okay, so 
kind of weird, but I've kind of been intrigued by Andrew Yang. Yeah. I believe is his name, just because he had that porn tweet that I was like, holy crap, this is like a really great response to pornography. What did he say? <laughs> like, he basically said, like, like there's way, like, it's way too um, accessible and it is a major problem. And I was like, that's wonderful. Like, thank you. Like, it was just so refreshing to have a Democrat say a thing that I was like, agreed with um <laughs> on, a, on a level that was just like okay like this is like a real i mean of course they're it, it was just nice everyone okay yeah so i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave it at that um <laughs> can't we the have nice the, things can't i know i nice just things. i was just like this is really nice like i don't uh feel like i have to um, compromise anything to enjoy what you're saying right now um which just happens to me on both the right and the left anywho um and he's he supports a UBI, but for him it's only like a thousand dollars a month or something. So you know, which, which comes out to like uh, twelve grand a year. Um, you know, fifteen years ago, I and gosh, fifteen years ago, five years ago, I would have been absolutely a hundred percent against this. Um, as globalization continues, and as I start to maybe have a a little bit of a deeper understanding of like how work honors the dignity of the human person. I'm not so sure that I am closed off to the idea as I once was. Mm. Uh, basically, there's this podcast. I think it was uh, sent to us by Roscoe, who we're going to have on the podcast here soon. Uh, I don't know why I called her Roscoe. I barely knew her in college. Um, but, uh, or they're talking about people like who have who like have um jobs where they're like I don't really do anything, yeah, and just like how like soul sucking that is to where it's like when you push when a push comes to shove I'm in this like bloated company, and my job really serves no point, um and it's just like and how it like really eats them up inside and their argument against it which I was kind of a weird hard um left turn was for like universal um, basic income. And they asked them, what would you do if you had this? Like some person's like, oh, I would try to like open up the store. I would try to do that. And I was like, huh, that's kind of like – but I, I, I don't I – mean, I listen, I know all the arguments against it, and I agree with it. Like, well, what happens when you run out of money? You know, and like where do you get that money from? And how, and how do you get that money? How do you decide who gets it and who does not? Um, I, I – I, I'm just saying I'm kind of intrigued by the idea. Let me just um, – let me um, leave it at that. And I don't really – I don't think it's remotely practical in our uh, current system. Yeah, the idea is to remove the sting of that insecurity as like a true safety net. In creating real- that, you'd have to get rid of, I think, a lot of other social safety nets because that is such a huge amount of money. But it might be one of those things that paradoxically works. Like, for instance, if you want to get people off drugs, you legalize all drugs, including heroin and meth. And then you just give the best drugs in government treatment facilities. So people come to your government and you inject them. You have nurses who inject them with pure heroin for free. And what you'll find is as they get to know real individuals, those individuals cease the desire for drugs. Mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes this weird thing. Like, you want to cure homelessness, 
one of the things is you give them a home, you give them an apartment, and they'll trash it and they'll do horrible things to it and they'll abandon it. But then after a while, it sticks, and then they stop being homeless, and then they end up getting a job, and they end up taking care of themselves. And it's like this crazy, like, if you give them the thing that they need, even if they don't want it, eventually they'll start to want it. Uh, it's, it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre how that works. I mean, I've, well, I, am, I am for – my difficulty is, like, I'm 100% for the legalization of all drugs to end all drug war and to spend all that money that we've been spending on treatment. I'm 100% for that. I don't think the drug... If you can't keep drugs out of prison, you can't keep drugs out of anywhere. And so within that framework, it, it violates a prudence to, to keep in, uh, in effect a law that does more damage while enforcing it than the law itself calls for, right? Than, than what you know, enforcing the law should. If it does more damage to enforce it than not having it, you do away with it. And having the largest adult male prison population in the world, and most of them are there for non-violent drug offenses or violent surrounding drugs, like, yeah, just destroy all gangs overnight by having the government <laughs> get engaged in this stuff, and you're done. And, and um, here's the – and again um – I just feel like we're going to get so many angry texts from people like, you know, about stuff that we're for or against. I'm just trying yeah. to talk this out. Yeah, just thinking it out. This is a conversation, yeah. people. Don't call us assholes because we're having a conversation. I got so many random asshole text messages about daring to have a conversation about the gun control. I got like five people who are like, listen, I love you guys, but you are total idiots. It's like we're just talking about in wake of yet another tragic death. What could we do? It turns out. A lot of people have already thought about this stuff, but we're just talking this stuff out. It's okay. It's okay. It'll be fine, everyone. But I don't okay. want universal basic income. <laughs> I would rather no, I, have. I would rather have some sort of healthcare thing. So this is the thing that I, I heard. There, well, yeah. You can, I, can I just yeah. interject? Here's the reason why I. Um, am for not for like why I'm more kind of like I, I, I want to open the idea. Yes. Um, when you, as with increase, with increasing global, uh, globalization and all of this stuff, um, Dayton, Ohio has a real housing crisis. People who once made $29 an hour are I'm now currently making only like $9 an hour and they can't afford to get apartments. And there aren't a lot of on the low rent apartments anymore, so people don't yeah. have anywhere to live. Homelessness here has skyrocketed. I mean, quite literally, it has skyrocketed over the past ten years. And there are no houses for people to go and live. And if you were to have, if you were to have, I mean, if you were to have that income, they could put towards housing. That they could choose how to use it, and they were to put it towards, you know, put it towards be able to get an apartment. Um, that's like that. That's kind of that gap I think between like what is the value of like you know like labor and basic human needs. The you know the yeah. right to housing. That's I think that's. Um, I think we can all agree that the church says that people have a right to housing. You know, and so I'm not saying that um, it's just like, like, what do you do when you're stuck in Dayton, Ohio, and the only job you can get pays 
nine dollars an hour, and your to get an apartment cost like eight hundred a month. Yeah, or costs like you know, like you know, cost um, five hundred a month, and you're not able to work quite full time because they don't want you to have health insurance. Well, and this goes right you know? to the Jordan Peterson comment that he makes all the time, trying to prove to the people he's not like a hardcore right winger or an alt writer. He's like, I am absolutely concerned with when the disparity between the ultra rich and the average underclassman, right? The average poor becomes so huge and the number of poor or lower class or lower income, not lower class, the number becomes, hits a critical size. And he's like, and we don't know what that size is, but we do know that once a size gets to be too big, it becomes incredibly destabilizing. And he said, so if people constantly feel insecure about their income, they're going to be looking at the 1% or the 1% of the 1% and they're going to hate them. And they're going to go full Gotham City Joker on them because the societal unrest. So then he said, so I, that's why I'm willing to entertain things like a you know free health care or universal basic income because it would remove some of that anxiety, not as a panacea for the masses, but literally to prevent the collapse of the entire society. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. My other thing is, though, when, when we talk about health care being something, like there are always effects that we can't intend and there's a lot of issues with government run healthcare programs all over the world that are touted to be the best there are huge examples of horrific waste and oversight and euthanasia being the most popular option and now governments choosing who gets euthanized and who gets aborted and that's horrific um but the other thing is just think about it. i i listen to this one capitalist guy who is like anti-anti-government intervention and so much stuff. And he said, this is why I came around to government health care. He said, this is why. He said, because I have had too many conversations with people in corporate America who say, if I didn't have to pay for the health care for my family, I would X, Y, Z. And the United States of America, it's stupid, but our benefits are routed through our, our uh, companies. Our companies pay for our health care. And so when we leave one company and strike out on our own, we have to Cobra, which is very expensive, or we have to find our own healthcare, which can be triply more expensive than it was. And there are a lot of people who will not, who could survive on, on half their income, but not on, with no healthcare, no health insurance. And, you know, that for my family, it's probably a thousand. We probably spend about a thousand dollars a month on healthcare, meaning for me, it's free as an employee, but employee plus family is like seven hundred a month, and then our medical bills on top of that. And you know, and uh, please don't get me wrong. I don't like. I don't think that if uh, I mean, so like one idea um, if we were to uh, ha- uh, have like universal on basic income, uh, would the cost of these things then rise? We're just in the exact same spot that we were, where, but everything is just more expensive. Yeah, and it very well, you know, it very well could be. That could, that could be – and I'm like that's one of my concerns with that is like, you know, if we um, do that and that kind of – we don't have – you know, or like is – will we have less people becoming um, doctors because they're not going to 
be paid as much. Like all that stuff is those are those are very real, real. concerns because being a doctor is hard as hell and takes a lot of work. And there needs to be some type of like there is this, there is this like altruistic um, vibe to it. I think. Yeah. But if you have a family, if it's not your sole vocation, you know, if you're not like a nun or a thing where like you know you're saying like I have this um, vocation and my job is a part of that. And these other um, needs of mine are taken care of, so I can focus on this vocation to be a nurse, to be to be a, um, a doctor. That's very um different than I've got three kids. I've got yeah. four kids. Yeah. I have a wife who has to stay home with the kids. I need to be able to provide for them, and I want to be, be a, I want to be a doctor. I need the money to do that, and to like to be gone the amount that you're gone, and to do the, you know what I mean? Like so, it, it's um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think these are conversations that if we were to ha- take I don't know, if we were to try to like have them through the eyes of justice, prudence, and charity would be much more reasonable on both and way less political. But it yeah. feels impossible to do that, which is uh, which like that's the real tragedy. Well, and, and on I top think. of that, I think, you know, the principle of subsidiarity needs to apply. And in America, it applies in a unique way. It's supposed to. It doesn't really, but it's supposed to. So the principle of subsidiarity says, you know, the a higher power ought not to intervene in a lower power if the lower power can solve the problem. Right. So. If a family can solve the problem, you don't go to the state or the federal government. You let the family solve the problem, right? If communities can solve the problem, the regional government, municipality, whatever, you don't. And I feel one of the main problems is the United States is arranged in both a federalist and a nationalist way. It was not supposed to be nationalist. It's supposed to be federalist. So the beautiful thing is for the United States government to look at this, it should constitutionally it sh- it can come from any state if it's in alignment with the state's constitution so for instance massachusetts had a what could closely be called a one payer healthcare model it's not universal basic income but they tried to cover under mitt romney when he was governor he tr- they tried to cover all of massachusetts citizens with government healthcare and it just got to be way too expensive and they ended up canceling the whole thing which could tell you a lot of stuff but the whole idea was these states could govern themselves accordingly to their own principles they could become experiments in democracy and you could have texas saying tomorrow we're going to pay everyone a thousand dollars everyone who's a resident of texas we're going to pay you a thousand dollars and that would be awesome because you could see how it works and other states could learn from it or adopt different models and different systems. I mean, food stamps exist almost as a universal basic income, but it's them saying, but we don't want you to spend it on drugs and Xboxes. We want you to spend it on food. So instead of giving you cash, we give you a voucher or a stamp that's only for food. And so that's where it becomes a little bit tricky. Um, but anyway, but I think it's a with that. Yeah. There's, I just want to add that with, like, with that, and this is kind of, I think, one of the reasons why I maybe am like, like, so if you've ever worked at a store where, where you accept those, you know how difficult that can be. 
like one thing that's yeah, I did. Typically, we, you weren't that. Co- what was yours, Dorothy yeah, Lane? Over at um, a Dorothy Lane Market. Yeah, you know, and it was always you had to. It, it, it always caused a bit of a scene, not in a bad way, but just in enough. No, word. you're right. You're right. Always. Did. You know, oh, it, I, I'm it, on Wick. I got my Wick coupons. Women, infants, and children. I got. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I yeah, have. Yeah. I think I have my. Fi- yeah, you're totally right. And it it creates this level of like you shouldn't be ashamed of that. It's okay. You're you're like a human being. You deserve help. You're fine. Like, but it's always it's always a bit harder than it should. Than I feel like it should be. And there are certain things that you know aren't that like really aren't accepted by that like one thing being like feminine hygiene products which is absurd like so you're telling me that people who can who can barely afford to eat or can't afford to eat have to choose between like do, can my kid eat and can I get tampons yeah like that's like that's not that come on like that, that's like we can do better like we yeah. can do better than that I think the economical choice is a menstrual cup go on <laughs> oh my gosh! Cut that part out. Uh, what happened to those stickers? They're either in the mail because Gomer sent them, uh, or they're coming soon because uh, Grace will send Grace them. will do a much better job of sending them. So um, she'll be getting them in the, in the next um, couple of weeks here. So uh, if you hey, what is over, the deal with Kevin Hyder's alternate question? I love it. I love it. Don't ask it yet. Okay. 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 <laughs> I want to. I want to wait till like the. Like the perfect time. I, All right, he's been doing it for like months. Okay, Moira, I love everyone who's on Patreon. You should love Moira. Moira reminds me of a coworker that I have named Tracy. Tracy, I love Tracy. She's so fun and wonderful. And Moira has this fun and wonderful side to her, who then is very direct in her questions and comments. And I love everything she ever says. She fills me with joy whenever I see an email pop up like, Patreon, you got an email from Patreon, and it's Moira. And I'm like, yes! But she asks, if you ever had to take over a country, which country would you take over and how? Oh, my gosh. So I'm stuck between two countries, England and France. Okay. The English for their soccer, which you're allowed to call it's soccer. There are tons of people did up until the 1980s. I hate people who like, it's, like, it's football there. No, it's not. They, they, it, it was both for the longest time. Shut the hell up. Uh, so anyways, England, or I, I just love France. I think um, France has a special place in my heart, and I would love to take over France. So I think I got to go with France. But England might win the day. Okay, well, how would you do it? Uh... With the English, any sort of force because they just are so weak now. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Um, they're not a weak at all. They would destroy me. Like how? So, like, how would I do it from like military standpoint? I don't like, know. What would the? I don't I'm, know. I'm sure she's not actually looking for strategy. I'm sure she's looking for hilarity. I know. I know. But the hilarity is Whoa. in our attempt to come up with a military military strategy. Yeah. What? Either one of my kids fell out of their bunk bed or Noah has to pee and he jumped. But I just heard, like, my whole ceiling just went boom. And my boys are right above me. Okay. Okay. It would be funny for us to describe militarily how we... Well, first of all, I would lay out my artillery. (laughs) Well, you have the flanks, you see. (laughs) The flanks. A classic (laughs) pincer move. A classic (laughs) pincer move. And no one can stop the cavalry. (laughs) I would mow those men down. (laughs) <laughs> oh man if i had to take over a country so you want to go you want to invade a country that you like and you just want to spend time there but probably your I, I, invasion yeah i, I, I want to sh- like own it okay so you don't want to just like militarily dominate it you just want to be like king 
king there. I want to be like, I own England now. I'm going to go and watch all the soccer I want. See, I have losers. You know, and just Give me watch some bangers and dominate everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be like, I want to see the gang on press. I would okay. I would use uh, okay. I would definitely have the dun dun dun, dun like song playing while I'm you know on top of a tank with a scarf on and yes. some like old tank glasses. Yes. Uh, that or uh, I want to rock playing <laughs> as I enter in to take everything over. What is I want to rock? What is that? I want rock. I want to rock, rock. You know. Oh, I thought it was going to be rock and roll part two, like in the Joker. Do you know the guy who? Huge sex criminal. Huge sex criminal. Yeah. Man, you know Moira. I I don't know what country. Okay, so I'm just going to say this. If I had to take over a country. How? Okay, I would take over the United States of America. <laughs> I would take over my own country, right? Uh, how would I do it? Uh, I would make wild promises I have no intention of meeting. Uh, I would use lucrative contracts in order to pay off my enemies and reward my friends. Um, and then I'd kill people who oppose me. Ooh. I kind of already do that in the church. It's a little dark. <laughs> oh, it gets a lot darker when you when you find out what I do to Guam. <laughs> I let them uh, be free of all U.S. military bases. Are there any other non-European countries you'd want to take over? I mean, Chad, just because I like the name. Like, I'd like to go to Chad and just have require all the men to be renamed Chad. I think it'd be fun to own Australia. Ooh, ooh, because it's just a big ooh, island, yes. You know, yes. and it's just like that's mine. That whole thing's mine. That's <laughs> that's mine. I've got. Hey, a cool... What do you think about it, like a tropical island, like American Samoa? Like they're yeah, good but people. like, what do you gotta do with that? You're gonna hang out. You're gonna be living the beach life. Hashtag beach life. Japan, you got Mount Fuji there. Doesn't look like. Uh, doesn't yeah, but look the like Japanese Houston. are crazy. Yeah, crazy awesome. You seen their women? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Have you seen their and, cartoons? Do you want to go and take over a place where they sell used women's panties and vending machines? That's Japan. Oh shit, that's dark. Yeah, Japan's I didn't know that. a weird, weird place, man. Um, we're thinking of an Asian country. I really like Thai food. Yeah. So I Thailand, assuming it comes from there, but like good <laughs> Chinese food though, like good real Chinese food. So not like Shenzhen, but like. But, like, inland China. Uh, what is wrong with Shenzhen? It's just way too new. It's just way too um, new and modern. Like, I'm sure you can find great. Like, I want the Chinese food cooked by the really old um, the really old grandma who, like, somehow I wasn't killed. And um, <laughs> who's, like, passing on the family recipes. Like, um, of the stuff that, like, the kids in the dorm, especially the girls, oh, would make. They're, like, all other family recipes was some of the greatest food I've ever had. Mm. The best beef I've ever had was made by the Vietnamese kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. ribs that I was just like, this is just, I, to this day, I wish I had gotten that um, recipe. They, like, they used to make me extra, and I would, like, always be um, walking out to, if, if I was not on, um, on um, duty, I'd be about to, like, head out to the bar and just get real drunk. It was great. And um, 
But they would be there, and they'd be like, hey, what's the guy? And I'd be like, yes. And then we would, I would eat for a bit, and I'd be like, all right, I got to go. And they'd be like, have fun. I'm like, see ya. I mean, they didn't know um, where I was going, but. <sighs> that was beautiful, that, Luke. Thank that you. That beef was so good. Okay. Um, what any African countries, or is that kind of like, ooh, maybe we just. No, I said Chad. Oh, Chad. Chad's in Africa. Uh, you know what? Maybe. Um, uh, maybe Somalia. Like, take over Mogadishu. That'd be fun. Horn of Africa. Egypt. Egypt would be cool. Ooh, no, Egypt. Um, and then you do a limestone quarry and you rebuild the three pyramids of Giza with limestone on the outside. That's how it was originally done. So the pyramids of Giza were pure white. Did you know that? They're pure white. Hmm. Wild. Hmm. That's why you can still see the top of one of the pyramids of Giza looks like flat stone and then everything else looks like small brick. It's because they perfectly fit the flat stone and the rest has just decayed over time. But can you think about this? At the time of Jesus, the pyramids were still considered ancient. That's crazy. It is crazy. That's crazy. A thousand years before the birth of Christ, the pyramids were ancient. Like, what in the what? What happened in Egypt? Honestly, I need Aliens. to know. That, that literally, um, one of the first questions I ask Jesus is like, all right, Jesus, lay out for me what really happened in Egypt. We don't know. I know we don't know. I need to know. He's going to uh, be okay, like, so well, first we were the Atlanteans, and then it sank, <laughs> but we all moved to Egypt. Okay, so here, here, well, really quick, I have two quick thoughts on that. One, if I was in control of Egypt, I think on every other Thursday we'd have to start the day with all, i just put, like, speakers everywhere and Blair walk like an Egyptian. Absolutely, absolutely. Two, the thing, you know how, how, like, as a kid, if you grew up in a Catholic home, you ask, like, a thousand questions, mm-hmm. and your parents are like, you're just going to have to ask, like, God that whenever you go it's to heaven. It's a mystery. It's a mystery, yeah. I was like, it's not a mystery. Just do some science. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to know exactly what killed the dinosaurs and what that looked like. I believe it's pronounced dinosaurs. Dino DNA. (laughs) Put the holes to fit in the code. Hey, Luke, I got a personal question for you. How many roads must a man walk down before he becomes a man? Seven. Exactly. All right, I love to hear some discussion on marijuana use. It's now legal in Canada, Canadian here, and I know it's legal in a number of states. Uh, it is legal statewide, but may not at all federally. There And there's significant varying opinions on it, even with Catholic circles. It's a touchy topic because people get defensive about it. Thought. Uh, smoke weed every day. Smoke weed every day. Um, okay, so I actually, it's kind of funny, I was talking to a, like, a good buddy of ours about this about a month ago or so, and, and I was like, oh, he has a different opinion than me, and he's very cool and smart, so I'm not going to go down this road yet. Um, okay, so like clearly the church teaches that drugs are bad. It's somewhere in the catechism, I forget where. But they never really, they don't like address specific specific drugs as far as I know, Correct. I mean, the catechism, yeah. So I don't know if the church has ever come out and said that marijuana is a <laughs> bad thing and you should not do it. No, the reason why it would church say Church leaders that, have, but... Well, the reason why they would say it is intoxication or getting high is condemned. 
Yes, but so you get high smoking weed versus alcohol, where you can incrementally get high. However, a high being being high on weed does different things to you than being, you know, high off being drunk, right? And I think, yeah, I think a lot of weed now is definitely way more stronger, and it's just I'm laced with all kinds of stuff. I definitely, I think, within the medical sphere, uh, I think like. Taking it for all the medical reasons is completely fair game. I know people like with MS, certain kinds of um, uh, cancer, yeah. anxiety. I think it's can be very, very helpful. And I think like, come on, that's like that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's. I mean, I'm for the legalization of all drugs. It's really funny in Canada because uh, I was just there, and they were like, marijuana is legal in Canada. Uh, at the airport, and it's like you are not allowed to take marijuana out of this country. <laughs> It was all over the airport. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think you should get intoxicated. I don't think you should get intoxicated. If weed became, but I, we do know that. I mean, like plenty of people put what now today we would know as marijuana in their like pipe tobacco and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have an increasingly. Number I have an increasing number of friends who are telling me that they are smoking weed, even when it's illegal. It's very disconcerting to me. But yeah, I also I would but feel the one of way. their arguments is, but it calms you down. It doesn't make you angry or whatever like alcohol does. And yet alcohol's fine. I'm like alcohol's fine because it's very incremental, and it's meant to be incremental. So it's not like you smoke one puff of, you know, uh, marijuana cigarette and you're high as a kite. But the idea is not really – the idea <laughs> is to be affected. Yeah. But, like, also, though, I really like absinthe. Uh, and that – hits you in a different way as well and it's one of those fun things to drink while you're listening to certain kind certain kinds of music it does you're listening to the doors <laughs> no but like it really does heighten your senses like a little bit it has a it's 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 not a hallucinogen i mean it's got stuff in there that could be that but in order to really like hallucinate it would it would kill you the amount you would, you you would have to drink but it does relax you in a way and it does kind of like open up like your ears in a sense where it's like things just kind of sound cooler and I'm like I don't think that's really necessarily a bad thing just like it's like it's a fun um, side effect of this drink that's really good I love ab- absinthe so much nice I never drink it next question I just I just want to be Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> so screw you J.D. Flynn I love the great Gatsby just kidding okay Luke I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you have to answer deal okay <clears throat> go all right, let me see, pull up that. Wait, are we ever going to address the um, alternate question? What's the alternate? The oh. Kevin Hyder thing? Uh, not, yes, but not yet. Okay. It'll be very, very random when it does happen. Luke, what do you think of the Amazon Synod going on right now? I am annoyed by a lot of... I'm just annoyed by all of it. <laughs> I'm annoyed by people who don't understand how indigenous cultures 
worship within Catholicism and they dismiss everything as idolatry and paganism. That pisses me off. I'm also annoyed at the fact that it seems like our church is batshit crazy. I know. Who is this Jesus guy? Like Pope Francis is like, well, shit, I'm just going to pray in our father and get the hell out of here. And it's like, or you could say something constructive. Okay. Yeah. Luke, why do some Protestants forbid drinking when Christ clearly enjoys his wine? Uh, it's a, uh, because Protestantism, man. <laughs> like it, I mean, I, that, that, that sounds like I'm being dis—that's no, sorry. That is very dismissive of of Protestantism. I just think uh, some people just have wacky interpretations of of the Bible that develop over over time, and certain um, cultures. Like, I mean, you've got to understand. Like back in the 19th century, back in like 1821, I think the average the average. American had like five drinks of alcohol a day. Yeah. And so you have to understand like people were like, abu- like there are certain parts in history where people absolutely abuse alcohol. Um, prohibition, like it was like people like, like there was massive domestic violence and all this stuff. So people were like, this shit is bad. We need to stop this. This is not like good. And so they found ways to kind of, I think in their mind, like, well, Perhaps this was just uh, like it's wine, but it's not like a- alcohol, if that makes sense, which just sounds weird, but I don't know how else to really explain it. Fair enough, so. fair enough. Heath Ledger versus uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Who did it better? Two very Ledger, different type of jokers. Yeah. But who did Heath, it better? Heath Ledger, but I'm at a point in time in my life where I think that The Dark Knight might be overrated. Who did it better, Heath Ledger or uh, Joaquin Phoenix or Jack Nicholson? Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, okay, okay. What are what are your takes on that? Um, when I think about the pencil scene in The Dark Knight and the bank robbery scene in the beginning, and basically everything up to the uh, towers blowing up the two ships, I'm Heath Ledger all the way. When it comes to uh, shit, man. Joaquin Phoenix, though, he just owns your soul the whole time. I don't I, know. Yeah, but I think that speech at the end by the Joker to the Batman is wonderful. What? While he's swinging upside down? Yeah, I love that. I love. Lo- I, and it, what bothers me about the Dark Knight? I, I wish I hadn't made the dark, the dark, the Dark Knight Rises because I think it kind of devalues that speech a bit. Ah, okay. Uh, boxers or briefs, Luke? Oh, always boxers. What is this? This is weird. Why not both? I do boxer briefs exclusively. Yeah. You know what boxer briefs are? Mm-hmm. I've That's tried right. them. I just uh, swing low, swing chariot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Patreon's 10-Minute Topics. You can support us over at patreon.com slash CF. CF stands for Catching Foxes in case you're an ignorant jerk. Uh, Luke has gone through and completely updated all of our Patreon tiers. They are hysterical. When Luke read them to me over the phone like a month ago, I was in tears laughing. And then last week I was like, I went online and I was like, hey, I finally got to log into Patreon. How come it's the old ones? And he's like, oh, you actually want me to do that? Okay, let's do this. Let's do it now. Uh, Yes, Luke, I think they are. This is all from your mastermind. I think it's hilarious. Um, for those of you who are supporters, we are going to go through our entire back catalog, make sure everyone who paid gets a sticker and all that good stuff. Grace is going to help us out with that. 
And if there's anything else, just remember, if we get up to 2,500 people donating to Patreon, Luke will not only quit his job, but he'll also quit wearing clothing, and he'll get his own dirty webcam service. It's true. No, and like uh, truly, I think we kind of had it up backwards before, but the idea is that the more people who support our show, uh, the more supporters we have, the more content we'll be able to make. Yeah, because we can justify it to our wives. Honey, yeah. I'm not going on as many trips. I'm not doing as many late night stuff. I am yeah. here to create stuff for for uh, Catching Foxes. So what I spend time in editing, Luke is going to spend time cultivating um, Patreon. And Grace is going to help fill in the gaps for both of us and, and to really make it all shine. So I can't be more excited. I, yeah, I've, I felt like the past month has been a period of... Uh, We'll call it sexual healing. A period of sexual healing. Yeah. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 